all of us here at Troy Church in Troy, Alabama, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We are a family in Jesus that aims to love God, love one another, and love the world. If you would like more information on who we are, what we believe, or how to get involved, please visit us at troychurch.tv or email us at info, I-N-F-O, at troychurch.tv. Hello again. Always irony this time of year uh, when we do the Advent of Peace. Um, talking about the fact that peace would come to us as a person and depend on what kind of situation you could go through, be going through personally, like situationally, and all of us, that could seem like really distant, really far away. This service is, I think, maybe a little micro expression of what I know to be going on in some of y'all's lives, and that's just what I know about. And the reality, we do not think it necessarily healthy for anybody to be up here multitasking and do a bunch of other things. So to give you a little idea about what's going on service-wise, you're, you're going to hear today from uh, another member of our church body that's a very gifted teacher, Mr. Chuck Carson. He lost his stepmom this week. So be in prayer for he and Megan as they grieve and are a part of uh, just family and family loss in a way that can be complex. So we had another one of our elders scheduled to step up and do this about midweek, and sometime over the weekend, flu just, just hit the house. So... I consider, you know, I'm, I'm the third person slated to be in this space today, and I think it's a little micro-expression of what I know to be going on in so many of our lives during this time when we're supposed to sit still and just bask in this peace that has come to us as a person. And it can seem so far, even in good, exciting things, uh, just the, the atmosphere and, and what's going on, circumstances can be so disruptive for us. And I, I know if I'm you and even me, as I stand up here, I'm like, if, if peace has indeed come, like, where can I get some? And if y'all as a church are planning on, like, ha- handing out peace in little baggies, like, when we leave the door, can we just skip everything and, and go to that moment and get the peace and go home and, and hang out? And that's, that's not something we could do. I wish we could. But there is a space in pictures and gifts of grace through God that he would let us look at things about him that could instill peace, real peace that transcends what's going on. And in short today, what I hope you hear and what I hope you leave with is the peace to pray. And that'll make sense later at the end, but I hope that you will have enough peace in your heart and your mind to pray, to talk to God. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, We are introduced to the idea of peace in the Old Testament, the word shalom. And in Israel today, it's a greeting. It's like, hey, how are you doing? Good. They say shalom and shalom back and forth. Just like when we say we're good, we're not really good. The same for them. But it means peace, and not only peace as we'd understand peace and like we're not fighting, but also peace in a completeness, like a a whole kind of way, holistic way. So in other words, if you're sick, then your health is missing. You're not complete. If you got beef with somebody or conflict in your family, then your sense of belonging is missing. It's not complete. If you're broke, your sense of security and finance is missing. So to have shalom, to have peace, is to have completeness and wholeness in what you need. It's not just chill or the absence of bad, but it's the presence of all we need. That sounds really good, doesn't it? And uh, I'll remind us all that there was a time 
at creation in the garden where we indeed had all we need. We had all that we needed. God provided everything we needed, but we got kicked out of the garden for sin. But the God that has made us close on our way out has pursued us with peace. And that's what part of this time, this Christmas time, is part of what we remember is the culmination of God's peace. Chasing us, coming to us, and coming down to us. Peace coming to us. And through the Christmas narrative today, just two things for you, because we also get to celebrate a beautiful symbol, because it helps us to go beyond words and have some pictures. God's given us a beautiful picture in not an acrylic hot tub, but baptism, what we're going to do in this thing sitting over here. You're going to get to see symbol of that. Um, but through all these things in this Christmas narrative, I hope we'll see that God has come, and come to us in so many different ways and what we're going on, what we have going on to give us the peace to pray. So I'm going to read uh, part of the Christmas narrative. This is Luke chapter 2. Uh, so Luke 2, 1 through 7. We're going to be going back and forth from Luke's gospel to Paul's letter to the Romans a little bit. So first is Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was at the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's pray. God, would you help us understand what peace is and beyond a general way where we know what we're supposed to think and say, but in a way that's internalized that we can leave with that really makes a difference today, tomorrow, and ongoing, not only through this Christmas time, but on into a 2024, where the fact that you have come to us and are remembering that and reflecting on that really does make a difference. God, please help us, and we ask you in Christ. Amen. We're going to look at two things. First is chaotic circumstance. Chaotic circumstance. Anybody got some of those? Uh, you just heard this part read, this Christmas narrative, and it probably sounded really familiar, regardless of your background or experience in church. You might have really fond, warm memories of Christmas play, like it being read by, you know, a little sweet child, or maybe read by, you know, somebody in your family, like Fireside, or during a church service, like Perfect Manger Scene, Mary and Joseph, Perfect Semicircle, Everything's Great, and I just want you to, to sit in what we just read, Okay. Caesar Augustus is an emperor of a massive, selfish, pagan empire that's trying to take over the world, okay? So that's going on. Yeah, there's all these governors under him vying for power. Yeah, he's basically trying to count his kingdom to be like, this is how many people I got in my kingdom, this is how big it is. Yeah, all so he can tax his whole kingdom. So he's just basically this giant census, and there's no online form. We're having to travel back to our hometown that you might not have been to in years, all to, the, you know, to, to serve political mayhem and taxes. So that's one thing that's going on, okay? Second thing, we got an engaged couple that's not yet married, that's pregnant. And their alibi is, hey, we had these dreams. We're pregnant because of God, not because of us. And the angels told us. So that's difficult. Now we're traveling on donkey slash walking 
to a place vaguely familiar to Joseph as a hometown. Not sure how long it's been since he's been back. Not familiar to Mary whatsoever as far as we know. I know we have some pregnant moms in the house, and I texted one of them yesterday and was like, hey, you know, what would you think if your husband like right now said, hey, I'm going to need you to get on this donkey and ride for four days so I can fill out a census form, okay? That's what's happening, okay? So we're not done. Then also add to the fact that they get there and go into labor in an unfamiliar place. There's nowhere to stay. There's no mention of any assistance whatsoever in this delivery or birth. Just some random shepherds that come to check, you know, check it out right after it happens. That's what's going on. This is complete chaos. This is political. It's domestic. It's medical chaos. And this is how a sovereign God of the universe that is outside of all time fulfilling a universal redemptive plan has said, Yep, it's just like I drew it up. Like I'm going to put on flesh and step into the world into this absolute riot chaos. Holistic, all over the place, just a mess, an absolute mess. If he can come to us in the flesh in that chaos, he can meet you in yours currently. Okay? I'm going to read Romans 5, part of Romans 5, and we're going to do this little part of Romans 5 kind of backwards, okay? So in Romans 5, 1, Paul says, we got peace with God. Skipping on down to verse 3 and 4. So he's talking about peace with God. We're going to talk about that next. But he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. A lot going on in that little passage. We're not going to talk about all of it. I'll tell you on the front end, it, it does not advocate that we're Stoics, that we just enjoy or ignore the difficulty of hard things or sad things. But what it says in short, what I think Paul is telling this church is, hey, God is doing stuff through and in the chaotic circumstances in your life. He's doing things through his being with you in the Holy Spirit, and it's loving. And Paul will be the first to tell you that that activity does not always feel loving. Um, we let our kids stay up late on the weekend, so I was typing up some of this stuff, and one of my kids, I don't even remember which one, came to me with a bomb pop, you know, the Amer- America popsicles, and a Yoo-Hoo, and the Yoo-Hoo was open, and they said, hey, can I have this? And I'm like, well, you're already having half of it, but no, like, it was late, really late. You cannot have this. You would have thought I kicked that child out of our home onto the streets. <laughs> Not, did not feel loving to him. It was loving to his little mind and body that needed to go to sleep, not on however many grams of sugar that is, okay? Loving did not feel like it. There's tons of times where their negligence or they're not listening, not paying attention means pain for them. And Fran, I have to have the hard conversation of like, hey, I want to rescue them, but we got to let them experience this pain. They forgot to pack their snack. They're supposed to pack it. They need to have this experience. It doesn't seem pleasant to them at all, but it's loving, Okay, and much the same as God's activity to us. And you know, as parents, and you might have experienced a, a harsh you know, aspect of that, a broken aspect of that, even an abusive aspect of that, and we're reminded that our God is perfect, doesn't fail in his fatherhood over us. And I think Paul even emphasizes that in this verse. It's not a learn its lesson kind of thing. Look back in Romans 5, verse 3, 4, skip down to 5. It produces hope, and that hope does not put us to shame. 
So his activity in this, it's producing hope, and Paul literally says it does not put us to shame. Like this is a hopeful, non-shaming, love in the presence. In short, God is coming to you and all the crazy flu transitions, craziness that you're experiencing right now, your crazy circumstances are, are a coffee table to meet with God in. And far be it from any of us to, to use them as a reason or an excuse to disengage from him. And we're going to come back to that thought at the end. So chaotic circumstances, they're in the story of how a sovereign God would put on flesh and come to us. It, it's how he came to us in the middle of just wildness that we might miss in our familiarity of presenting this story for our whole lives. Second thing is chaotic hearts. Chaotic hearts. So I'm picking up in Luke chapter 2. Um, let's start in verse 8. This is the Charlie Brown Christmas story. They just did it in here last night, the high school did. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in, a, in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. First, I love, and we've talked about this probably every year, I love that God in his sovereignty said, like, I'm going to give the shepherds a heads up on this. Like, out of all the people, the Pharisees, the rulers, the aristocracy, like, I want to tell the shepherds first. I'm going to give them a little insight first. I love that. But second, I feel like we are late to the position that God speaks to these shepherds so much. Like, they are not looking for God. They're not praying. They're not in some worshipful, like, seeking experience or solitude place. Like, they're working. They're just doing their thing, like tending their flocks. He comes to these guys while they're just doing their job, much in line to where he, how he speaks to Joseph when Joseph's out of sleep. We talked about God's initiative in coming to us last week. And I think in such a big sense, whether it's kids or work or family or whatever, we're all just doing our stuff, doing our job, and it can be so just all-encompassing and just, just take all of us. Even church stuff for me can be done without God in a way. And God show, shows up in sending these angels to speak with these shepherds, invades their mundane life. He, he comes and speaks to them while they're just at work. They're terrified. It says they're scared. I imagine the scene, they don't have no frame of reference for any you know, bright light kind of show. It had to be pretty crazy on that front too. But also, God's presence in manifest ways like this always biblically leads people to feel the reality of all their junk, all their brokenness, all their mistakes, all their sin, their humanity in its fallen state. And God says, hey, fear not. Like, fear not, Jesus, peace is this pattern. As God announces the birth of the Messiah to all these people in the Christmas narrative, they're terrified, don't be afraid because of Jesus, because of peace. And we remember that Jesus comes to racing chaotic hearts at Christmas that are afraid and painfully aware of being broken. I'm going to go to the, the first part of Romans 5, okay, that we skipped earlier. 
Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained, have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul says you have peace with God through Jesus. You have peace with God through Jesus and the reality that he lived the life you were supposed to live. He died for the life that you actually lived. He lived the life you were supposed to live. He died for the life you actually lived. And you're, you're good with God because of Jesus. Paul says that's by faith in those things. Instead of faith in you and your efforts to clean yourself up and look respectable before God, it's by you trusting and depending in the fact that Jesus lived the life you're supposed to live and he died and took and absorbed all of God's anger at the life you really did live in your head, in your heart, your words. And you have peace. You have peace with God. Paul words it, he says, you've obtained access into grace. So you've got, you're in with good. Like, you're in the good with God, you're right with God. And he doesn't say that's a passing thing that you get to look at or taste and then walk away from. He says, we stand there. So it's where we're at. Like, that's our standing. We exist in a, in a good spot with God. There's nothing broken between us and God through our faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he says it generates a rejoicing. And that means that's a proud boast. Like, we stand before God as proud people that know we belong there, not because of ourselves, but because of our trust in the work and person of Jesus. We have peace with God despite our chaotic, racing, fearful hearts that are, that are so painfully aware of our lack apart from God bringing that to us. Peace. The peace shalom between us and God was broken. Peace coming means peace, wholeness is possible. Us and God are made right. There's peace in circumstances we talked about first, and there's peace between God and us. And this is my question today, especially if you've been following Jesus for some time, you, you know those realities in your head. You know what to say when stuff is hard and what you're supposed to say about God's sovereignty and activity in it. You know about your peace with God. Why does it at times feel so distant in general to us? Why? Especially in the chaos of a holiday time. I want, want you to consider, you know, maybe it's a marriage or maybe it's a deep friendship that's healthy. You have both of these things. You weather circumstances together. Like you're... you're me and Fran, like ride or die through life, our adventure of life the past almost 11 years next month. You weather inner turmoil together. You expose each other's junk and are used by God to help each other develop and be sanctified, okay? Let's pretend you're trying to do both of those things, but you're not talking. There's no words. You're not allowed to talk. You wouldn't experience either of those things for very long. Both of those things would stop and I submit to us that our church as a whole is not talking to God that much. We're not talking to God that much. We're missing out on his coming to us in our chaotic circumstances, in our chaotic hearts. And as we get to spend time in living rooms and I get to spend time sitting and considering my own lack and my prayer life and time with God, like why is it so hard? The two reasons that come up for me and you, chaotic circumstances and chaotic hearts. I got so much stuff going on, it's just really hard for me to do. Our chaotic hearts of like, I just feel a lot of shame or a lot of guilt, or it's just boring, I just don't like it. 
I've never experienced any good goodness or connection or, you know, helpfulness in that time. And in my circumstances, my heart just, just not connected for me. I'm just not there. John Mark Comer is a guy we've referenced a lot and kind of in my own questioning about how difficult prayer can be at times. Uh, there's some prayer sermons me and some guys that meet him and listen to. He quotes C.S. Lewis to say this, we must lay before him, God, what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Let's say that one more time. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. And this is John Mark Comer talking about that quote. He talks about many of us find prayer boring or annoying annoying because we're putting on. And he says in that we're not really praying, we're performing. We're not really praying, we're performing. And it's this mindset like, hey, if I put on, yeah, maybe I'll get the hookup you know, with God. He'll bless me or whatever. And that's fake and it's exhausting. Pretend you have a friend that you, know, you can talk to them and listen to them, but Every time they come over to your house, you feel like you have to clean yourself up and clean your house up. Like maybe they you know, deposit little passive-aggressive comments about how you look or how your house looks. So every time they come over, you're having to rush around and fix yourself and fix everything. No matter how good that conversation and connection is, that's going to be exhausting after a while. You're not going to be motivated to do it because you're performing. And we all know that rare friend in your life where you can be good, bad, and really ugly in front of, and it doesn't matter. God knows everything about you and invites the reality of your circumstances and the reality of your hearts. And so many of us, myself included, even in a pastoral role, knowing better, will say, all right, I got to say the thing, and then I got to say the end, and I got to mention this while I'm praying, and then it's like, all right, I got to hang up with God because I got some stage five worry to get to about this, this, and the, the other thing. And because of Christmas and because of this symbol we get to look at in a minute, we can take what we have, good, bad, and ugly, to him because he wants to meet us in those circumstances and meet us in our heart with what we're wrestling with, what he's probably exposing through the circumstances. Those things that he's trying to meet us over are things we're using as obstacles between us. And I hope this Advent he would invite us to more. It's easier what he's inviting us in than what we conjure up and think of we have to do and jump through to get to God and speak to him. You can take it to him. We're about to celebrate the symbol of baptism. You're going to hear some stories that will hopefully expound upon what it is to have peace with God. You're going to see a physical picture of it too that I think helps our hearts that just need pictures and need tangible things to look at. As a church, we don't believe this is anything magical or miraculous happening up here in this moment through this little pool in this water, we see this as a symbol of something God has already done in these two young men's lives. So you're going to get to hear them talk about it through a video. But as they go into the water, it's a symbol of them being like, hey, between me and God, we weren't good. We didn't have peace. So I'm dying to myself. I'm being hidden in the death of Christ to accept that Jesus has took the full punishment of what that warrants. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm being hidden in that death. It's going to be covered for me. It's going to count for me. And we don't stay there. We're raised to newness of life, filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're a new creation in Christ, raised up in his kingdom to exhibit characteristics from our heart through his spirit. And you get to see a, a symbol in a picture of that. Because of that peace, we can go to God and talk to him. Okay? 
So before we do that, before you hear from Sam in our first video, I want to lead us in just, just a little practice. I'm going I'm to be silent for 30 seconds before we start this video, Matt, and this is what I, I want you to do, and I'll close us, and then we'll, we'll, we'll hear from Sam over the video. But everybody just close your eyes. I want you to consider the heaviest thing you have on you right now, circumstantially or emotionally, mentally, whatever. I want you to consider what you think and feel about it, if you know what questions you have about it, and just tell God. Just tell Him right now. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to do that. Thanks again for tuning in. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook, at our website, or even in person right here in Troy. All information and links are in our description. Thank you, and God bless.